Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. Today we would like to continue to talk about ruling and reigning. I'd like to read the scripture and I will go slowly. And I know that I will not be able to finish this sermon today. It's a long sermon. So don't miss next Sunday. When you hear this sermon, you may say, Oh, I think I should miss next Sunday because it's going to be uh, uncomfortable with your flesh. The reality of life is this. Whenever you hear the sermon, your flesh will be uncomfortable. Anytime you hear the sermon, you feel good. Like, oh, you have to be careful because that sermon may be just tickle your ears. But every time the sermon makes you feel uncomfortable in your flesh, it's good. It's changing you. Because the Word of God always goes against your sinful nature and your flesh. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man's sin enter the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sin. The Bible talks about death, about sin. Because sin entered the world through Adam. Death is ruling the whole world right now. That's one of the reasons I don't like to watch a lot of news in the TV. Because all bad news, all killing and robbing and people kill each other and wars and all the negative things in the news. Because this world is controlled by death, by Satan. And death is not of God. Death is of the devil who tempts you to sin. In fact, God does not come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But God gives us life and gives it more abundantly. So actually, the original will of God is that we have life. We can rule and reign and overcome death and curses and bondage and demons, and poverty, and anything that come against us. Satan is the author of stealing, killing, and destroying, and death. And we don't want that in our own life. And the last enemy that God wants to get rid of in this world is death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. In other words... Eventually, when God comes back to establish His kingdom, we will never die. The flower will never die. The animals will never die. The trees will never die. There is no death when that day comes. And not only that, thank God, you will never grow old. You will look young forever. You will not have gray hair and you will not lose your hair. You look good all the time. Somebody may come to you on that last day. Wow, you look good and young and beautiful. And you say, I know it. And you too. Because we're all going to look young and healthy and strong. There will not be any cemeteries. There will not be any funeral ceremony anymore. There will not be any funeral homes. And Some of you not need that job anymore in the funeral homes. You don't need clinics you don't need hospital. You don't need chiropractors or neurosurgeon anymore when God comes back to establish the world. 
Are you glad that one day Jesus will come back? But we are not there yet. We are still fighting. We are still doing a spiritual warfare so that we can rule and reign in this life. The Bible say in Romans chapter 5, I continue to read verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him, mean Jesus, who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. God gave us the free gift through Jesus. For if by the one man's offense, many died, much more the grace of God. Everyone said the grace of God. And the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Through Adam who sinned, death reigned the whole world right now. Much more those who receive, that's you and me who are born again Christian who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. The Bible says that reign in life. Is this talking about us? Is this part of the Bible talking about Christian, that we can reign in life? Are we supposed to be reigning or ruling or having victory in this life. Yes, we can be reigning on earth here. Not the next life, now. Not the, in heaven, but now. We can rule and reign by the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Everyone say, I am supposed to reign. I'm supposed to have victory. We are supposed to reign, and sin is not supposed to reign and rule over us anymore. Curses are not supposed to reign over us anymore. Demons are not supposed to reign over us anymore. But we can rule over them. They can be under our feet. We can have victory. And God created all of us to have dominion. Do you know that God created Adam to have dominion? But Adam lost that authority and dominion. But God had the plan to bring that dominion back to mankind. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to take our sin. And then he gave us the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. And he turned around. He said like, all the authority in heaven, on earth, and under the earth has been given to me. So in other words, Jesus has the highest authority in the universe, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And he's turned around and he say, go and make disciples. In my name, you shall cast out demons. In my name, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So in other words, he say, I have all the authority and you are my disciple. I give you authority to go out and exercise that authority to rule and reign in this life. Every Christian is supposed to reign and rule in this life. Amen? Amen. 
Have we been authorized? Have we been empowered? Did God give us authority? Yes, God has given us authority. Should we be constantly defeated by the enemy? No. Should we constantly overcome the problem? Yes. Should we constantly rule and reign in this life? Yes. Now I'm trying to say all this background to prepare your mind that this is yours. A lot of Christians, unfortunately, don't understand this fact, and they live on earth in defeat all the time. They pray like this: "Jesus, could you please come back soon? Because I am in trouble. Oh, this life is so miserable." The devil attacked me all the time. Yes, you can pray that Jesus will come back, but not for the wrong reason, because Jesus is not coming back to the defeated church. Jesus is not coming back to the people who look very defeated. Jesus is coming back to the victorious bride, the church that has victory. He's coming back to celebrate and have a banquet with the church. The rule and reign in this world. We are expecting the Lord to come, but while we are waiting and expecting Him to come, we must occupy. We must rule and reign in this life. In Luke chapter 19, verse 13, I read from King James version, and He called His ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till. I come. Everyone say occupy. It means that God give you education, God give you job, God give you money, God give you house and car and abilities and talents, so that you can go out and occupy, so that you can go out and rule and reign and make investment and make profit for God. He's not making you to fail. He's not giving you things so that you can be bankrupt, so that you can be slapped right and left by the devil. He sent you out to occupy. Amen. The problem is, a lot of Christians are not experiencing the ruling and reigning authority yet, because they don't have faith, or because maybe they live a wrong lifestyle. They don't listen to this sermon. They don't understand the word. It's a lot of lesson to learn how to rule and reign, and I want to encourage all of you to go to the podcast and download all the sermon about ruling and reigning and listen carefully. Even if you have not experienced ruling and reigning yet, because you are new in a church, or maybe you backslid for many years and you just came back and you say, "Pastor, what are you talking about? I don't rule and reign yet." Even though you have not ruled and reigned yet, it doesn't mean it's not real. And don't knock it off. Don't reject it. Don't deny the truth. So many times, people read the word of God, and they water down the word to match their experience. This is a problem. They explain God's truth away by saying, "Oh, the days of victory and miracle have been gone now, passed away." That is for the apostle in the early church. Now we don't have any miracles. Now no more speaking in tongue. No more the fire of God. No more miracle. Why? Because they themselves never experienced the miracle. If you never experience God healing, 
you will say, "Oh, healing is not for today." If you never experience speaking in tongue, some of you may water down the truth in the Bible and say, "Oh, speaking in tongue is for the Book of Acts, not for us now." So you water down the truth in order to match your experience. In fact, you should do opposite. You should say, "Father, elevate me up, raise me up to what the Bible say." Even though you have not experienced ruling and reigning yet, but you should say, "God, one day." Right now, I'm not yet because I'm new. Because I have backslid for many years, I did not walk with you. So now I come back. I want to be raised up and elevated to the level what the Word of God says. I want to have everything in what the Bible say instead of trying to dilute and water down the Word of God. Amen. This is important that we need to understand, and I'm that kind of person. One time, I read the Bible. I saw the Bible talking about being drunk in the Holy Spirit, and I never been drunk by the Holy Spirit. I only experience speaking in tongue. So I say, God, I want to experience being filled with the Holy Spirit and drunk in the Holy Spirit. God answer me. I got touched by God. I was drunk for almost half an hour, and I understand now what s it mean to be drunk by the Holy Spirit. It's true. It's in the Bible. If you never experience it. Don't say it's not for today. Every word in the Bible is still today. You need to let God elevate you up. Amen. Every time you read the Bible, don't say I have not seen it. Therefore, I don't care about it. God, I don't think it's for me. God, I think this is for the Old Testament. This is for the people in the early church. No, you should not say that. Because the word of God never changes, the truth never changes. Which you say, Lord, is this the word of God? Lord, it is right. Lord, come and help me to experience what you say in the Bible. Let me experience the divine healing. Let me experience the ruling and reigning that you talk about in the Bible. Bring me up, Lord. Teach me, show me, reveal to me what is in the Bible, and I want to experience what you say in the Bible. Amen. When you go to Disneyland, are you gonna stand at the roller coaster and watch, and pay money in there, two hundred bucks the whole day, and just watch the roller coaster, or you want to jump in and experience a roller coaster? Or when I see Pastor Da walk by my house. And I love her. I like her. I want to marry her. And I say I'm gonna marry Pastor Da, but we're gonna stay in a different houses for as long as I live. I never experience living with her. Is that the way you treat your life? No. I want to live with Pastor Da. I want to experience marrying Pastor Da, not just daydream about having been married with Pastor Da, or just daydream about. Being in the roller coaster, I want to get up there and experience ah like this. Oh, wow, it's fun! I pay money already. I need to experience that roller coaster. The same thing with Christianity. We need to have experience of ruling and reigning and everything the Bible say. Now the sermon today that is the introduction for 15 minutes. Now I will gonna get into the key of ruling and reigning today. Look at James chapter four. Verses. I'm gonna read only verses six to seven. But he gives more grace. Therefore, 
How can you rule and reign the abundance of grace? You need the grace of God to rule and reign. How you gonna get the grace? He give more grace. Therefore, he say, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The Bible say that if you want God to give you grace, you need to be humble. You need to submit to Him. I don't want God to resist me. How many people want God to resist you? I don't want God to resist me. Is that right? I want God to give grace to me, and you want God to give grace to you too. So, if you don't want God to resist you, what you need to do, you need to be humble. You need to be humble, and humble and submission. Goes hand in hand. Pride and rebellion goes hand in hand. If you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was a very humble person, and he submitted himself to everything the Father wanted to do. He is a submissive man. Amen. But look at the opposite side. Satan. Satan was very prideful. Satan was very rebellious. Against God, so you can see two things here: humility. Everyone say humility. humility. Everyone say submission. submission. And pride. Everyone say pride. pride. Rebellion. Rebellion. I want to add two more words. All these four words are connected to each other, to each other, and they are the key to ruling and reigning in life. Humility. Submission, and then honor and faith. Without humility, you will not submit. Without submission, you will not honor. And if without honor, you will not have faith. And I'm going to show you in this sermon. These four things have to come together to be able to rule and reign in this life. If we don't submit to God, we are prideful. We resist God. What happened? We will have problem, and that's why a lot of Christians get into trouble because they are prideful. Jesus is the best example of humility. Look at Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty-nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We need to learn from Jesus, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your soul. Jesus said, "I'm gentle and lowly, mean humble." He is a meek person. In the modern generation, people despise the word humility or meekness. In their mind, they think that when somebody is meek or humble, that person is weak, which is not true. It's so easy to be prideful. It's so easy to yell and to look down on people and to blow out and get mad and yell and show that you are insecure inside you and you want somebody to respect you. It's so easy to follow the flesh, but it needs more strength to be humble. It takes more strength to help people who are weaker than you and humble yourself. To other people, actually, 
The humble is a strong one. The proud is the weak one because you don't have to control your flesh at all. But if you are humble, you are strong in the eyes of the Lord. Look at the opposite between Jesus and the devil. Jesus say, "I am gentle and lowly." Look at what the devil say in Isaiah fourteen twelve to fifteen. How you have fallen from heaven, you mean Satan, O morning star. Son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low in the nations, you said in your heart. Interesting. Satan hang around with God for a long time. He knows faith principle. He know that if you have faith, you need to speak out. So he say in his heart. He speak out. I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the crowds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. He declare that he's going to be above God. Satan is very prideful. Don't declare something negative because it will not work. If you want your faith to work, you need to declare or speak only what the Bible say. Amen. Declare only what the Bible say. Don't declare something else. The devil declares something else, and it doesn't work. Amen. The Bible say, therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Is submitting to God, resisting the devil, and the devil fleeing from you, a part of ruling and reigning? If the devil attack you with the wind and the storm and the financial trouble or sickness and disease or curses, and you can tell the devil to leave and go away, resist the devil. Is that ruling and reigning? Yes. So the key of ruling and reigning. Is that you submit to God, and then you resist the devil. You don't need to wait until somebody with a red suit and with the horns on both sides of the head knock on your door. Hi, I'm Mr. Devil, and then you resist him. You resist the devil. It means you resist sickness because the devil come to destroy you. And kill you. You resist poverty. You resist pride or bad thoughts or temptations or evil thinking. You resist curses. You resist failure because Jesus gave you life and give it more abundantly. Anything that is opposite to life is from the devil. So you don't need to wait for the devil to show up at your door, and you resist him. You resist anything that he is doing against you. And how can you resist him? You resist him by submitting to God. Why submission is a very important subject in the kingdom of God, but unfortunately, it's not very popular here in this society. In the 60s, there is a doctor. I don't want to mention the name. Come out with a new idea about rebellion. 
the kids can yell toward their parents. You don't need to listen to any authority anymore in the 60s. And that's why at that time we have a lot of hippies come up in America because of the rebellious attitude. Therefore, the domino effect still come to today in America that people don't like the word submission. But it's a big mistake because if you don't submit to God, what is the result? For example, God say, do that, and you say, no, I don't want to do it. In fact, you submit to the devil. And if you submit to the devil, how can you resist the devil? If the devil throw a sickness to your kids, and you say, devil, go away from my kids right now, and the devil will laugh. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to you. You submit to me. You don't even submit to God. You don't even listen to God, but you listen to me. I'm not going to listen to you. You don't have authority to tell him what to do because you submit to him. That's why submit to God come before resisting the devil. Amen? How many people want to rule and reign? If you want to rule and reign, you need to be humble and submit to God. First, submit to God. And then you resist the devil and he will flee from you. I give you example in the Bible. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 7. Again, this sermon talks about authority, talking about submission and humility and honor. Matthew 8, 5 to 7. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Don't have the religious thinking that Jesus will say no to you. When you pray to the Lord, you need to have this imagination and faith that Jesus loves you, He cares about you, He has compassion on you, and He will say yes to you. Don't have the religious thinking that, oh, Jesus will say no to me. You notice this man was not even a Jew. He was a Gentile. He's a centurion of the Roman army. And when he came to Jesus and asked for help, Jesus said, yes, I will go and help your servant. Amen? So we always have faith that Jesus wants to help us and come true for us. Matthew chapter 8, verse 8, the Bible says, The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. Wow. This man said, if you speak only one word. So he came to Jesus, and he realized that Jesus was a man of authority. And he said, you can exercise your authority by speaking one word. How does a king rule and reign? If a king wants to build a house, will he pick up the hammer and the nail and apply wood. No. The king will say, let a house be built, and then all of his servants will run around getting nail and hammer to do the job. The same thing. Jesus was ruling and reigning by his word. And the same thing, we rule and reign by our word of faith. We speak. Don't get up in the morning every day and say, I'm dying, oh, I'm poor, I'm broke, 
I'm failure. Oh, nothing good happened to me. You keep saying that. You will not rule and reign because you decree it to your own life. What you need to do, even though the circumstances are so bad, you need to wake up. I'm blessed. I'm rich. I'm young. I'm healthy. I'm well-to-do. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I'm smart. I'm successful. God loves me. You keep declaring it, so the devil will flee from you. You don't talk in the way the devil talk. You need to talk opposite. You talk life, not death, not stealing, not destroying words. Amen. So you rule by your word, and the centurion said, "But only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. My servant will be healed." Look at verse nine to ten. For I also a man under authority. Everyone say authority. This sermon is about authority. You need to submit to God's authority. I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. So what he say here? I am a man in the Roman military, and Roman military is very, very strict and well disciplined. So he say he has somebody above him. He's under. Above him, and somebody under him, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marvelled and said to those who follow him. So he was speaking to his disciple. Actually, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. Not even in Israel. Wow, we learn a lot from this story about ruling and reigning. The end of the story, his servant was healed completely by one spoken word of Jesus Christ. He ruled and reigned in his family. The centurion said that I am a man under authority, so he understand about authority. And he said, when I tell my soldier do this. The soldier will do it. So they have high discipline. In the Roman army, when the general say go this way, the soldier will not say what, why. If they say what or why, they will be killed. They have to obey the authority. That's what he tried to say. Unfortunately, why we don't see a lot of ruling and reigning in the church today? Because we. We'll Have we call loose society now? We believe in the psychologist teaching of rebellion. People don't understand in the church today the issue of respect and honor, and submission and humility. Okay, before I go deeper about submission and authority, let me ask this question: Do you know that the way you treat people around you is the way you treat God? Let me repeat the one more time: the way you treat people around you, whether your mom and dad, your kids, your pastor, your boss, your friend at work, that is the way you treat God. Do you know that? You cannot say, "I love God," and I submit to God, but not to any man. You cannot say that I love God, but I hate that person. It's a lie. Period. If you say I love God but I hate that man in the church, 
you don't really love God. You treat people around you the way you treat God. You cannot lie by your action. You can say whatever you say. Oh, I love God, but turn around, you gossip, you attack people. You don't really love God. You say, where is in the Bible? It's in the Bible. First John chapter four verse twenty. First John four twenty. Don't argue with me in this one. It's in the Bible. If someone says, "I love God," and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Christians who love God will love people. When you respect God, you will also respect people. When you are sold out for God and submit to God, you will be loyal. To God's servant and submit to them. Your lifestyle reveal your heart. How do you know a person is in their heart? You look at the lifestyle. Cannot lie. Amen. Somebody may say, "You know, you don't know my relationship with the Lord. It's my personal issue. It's personal. My faith with God is personal. It's not true." We can see a whole lot of your heart by watching how you relate to people, how you relate to your parents, how you relate to your boss, how you relate to your wife. Your life comes out of your heart. What you do and what you don't do is a manifestation of your heart's condition. So don't lie. I know God knows what is in your heart. And not only that, when you study the word "serve" in the Bible, when you read the Bible, the word "serve," you will find that the same Greek word or the same Hebrew word is translated as the word "worship." And many people have the limited idea about the word "worship." Let me show you three translation in Romans chapter twelve, verse one, New King James Version. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Everyone say service. Verse one in NIV. Therefore, I urge you, brother, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. A while ago, service. Now, worship. In NLT, New Living Translation, and so, dear brother and sister, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. A lot of Christians think that worship God means standing on the church on Sunday, raising their hand and singing a song. That is just. Fifteen minutes on Sunday, worship means live a life of service. The usher, the usher, you every Sunday worship the Lord. The sound man is worshiping the Lord right now. He's serving the Lord. You live a life of worship by. Serving him, and you serve him by serving others. 
That's why our church is not looking for bossy leadership. We are looking for servant leadership because we are looking for worshippers, not bossy people. If you really worship the Lord, you're willing to pick up the chair, sweep the floor, help people, pick up people, serving people. Amen. I was so blessed to see a man who came to Thai service. He could not even speak Thai. And at the end, after we ate dinner, he picked up the vacuum vacuum machine and he began to clean up the house. And I say, God gonna use this man. He is not bossy. He's a servant. That is how he worshipped the Lord. And if you worship the Lord, you serve the Lord, you serve other people. That's how you serve the Lord. How you treat other people is how you treat God. Amen. Read one more time. First John chapter four twenty to twenty one. Wow, so quiet in this room. If someone says I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And He has given us this command: those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sister. God is not looking for a scholar in a church who know all the Bible and can read the Bible upside down and memorize all the scripture and know all the theology and doctrine in the Bible. He's looking for people who serve Him, love Him, and love the brothers and sister. Serve the brothers and sisters. Amen. When you truly submit to God, I'm gonna come to a conclusion here. About submitting to God, what does it mean? Okay, you don't see God, you never see Jesus. I never see the Holy Spirit. I see the evidence of the Holy Spirit. I never see the Father. How I submit to God? I submit to God by submitting to people that God put over me. Oh, now I'm going to come to the difficult part that you will like. I'm, I'm leading you to. How many people want to rule and reign? You rule and reign by being humble, by being submissive to God, and you can resist the devil. How do you submit to God? The question: You submit to God by submitting to human beings whom God put the place of authority over you. Even you do not like them, you don't agree, and you may not even like what they do, but you need to submit anyway. If you want to rule and reign in your life, you want your prayer to get answered. Parents in this room, you want to see victory in your kids. Start from you. You need to submit to authority. Amen. You will not be able to rule and reign if you don't submit to God. How do you know whom do you submit to? The centurion did not see Jesus as the Son of God at that time. He saw him as a prophet. He saw Jesus as an anointed man representing God from heaven. He did not know right away that Jesus was the Son of God, but he learned to submit to the position, to the place of authority of Jesus, and say, "I submit to you, and I know your authority. If you say one word, it will happen." So, what the centurion tried to say, the whole passage about 
Matthew chapter 8 is this. My servant submit to me. I submit to you. And you submit to the Father. Because you submit to the Father, you declare anything, the Father will support you. And because I submit to you, whatever you do to me, it will happen. And because my servant submit to me, it shall happen. The whole thing about submission. That's what the centurion tried to say. I submit to you, you submit to the Father, and my servant submit to me. That's why the miracles happen in his home. You see the picture? Everyone says submission. He said, when my superior tell me something, I'll do it. And when I tell my people under me, they will do it too. He acknowledged that Jesus has authority from heaven. And sickness and disease must listen to him. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus heard it. He marveled and said to those who follow, Actually, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Wow. Jesus really praised this man in front of the disciple who also came from Israel. That, hey, look at this centurion. Look at this Gentile. He has such great faith. I think a lot of you may question in your heart that how can I have that such great faith? A lot of Christians make the issue of faith too difficult. They say that you have to memorize all the scripture before you have faith. You need to fast and pray for 30 days before you have faith. I want to tell you, faith is not a difficult subject. It's easy to have faith. You don't need to memorize every scripture to have faith. How do you have faith? I want to give you the key. To have faith means to have respect and honor for God and for His Word. If you honor the Word of God and He say, you shall be healed, and you say, what? I don't think you are right. I don't respect what you say. I don't care what you say. I'm going to go, what did the doctor say? You don't honor him. Honor and faith comes together. Submission, humility, honor, faith, one package. Why God asked me to teach this a lot in America? Because it's a big problem in the U.S. The word respect and honor. People are smart here. Oh, I know a lot. I don't need to listen to you, God. I have my own way. I know what to do. Do you say in the Bible? No, not logical. I'm not going to follow. You don't honor him and honor his word. That's why you cannot have faith. Go back to the foundation. Go back to the basic. If you want to have faith, make a decision to honor God. He's a person. He's the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. You respect him. You honor him. And then you can have great faith. Amen? The word honor in the Bible means heavy. It means glory. Means that you give such a precious respect. You feel that God's things are so heavy and valuable and precious in your eyes. 
you accept it, you honor it, you say yes to it, and amen to it. But we are in the society of we call light, not heavy. Have you heard this word or this sentence all the time in this society? What is the big deal? What is the big deal? And this kind of attitude come into the church. They sing song in the church. What is the big deal? They just sing 15 minutes. I don't need to come to worship time. They just come to the sermon time. What is the big deal about singing to God? Or when the preacher is preaching, you just get up and walk around, go to restroom. <laughs> he's serious because he said you don't respect the word of God. You get up and walk around, and that's why we don't see the manifestation of the miracles and power of God in America that much. We see a lot in the third world country. When I go to Thailand, miracles happen a lot because people like. To the word of God, even I preach two hours, they still yes, yes. They don't get up and walk around because they honor the things of God. But in the U.S., what a big deal! I need to get up. I need to get up. I don't care. I'm gonna play with my phone during sermon. That's why we don't see ruling and reigning around here that much. That's why we don't see miracles, we don't see victory. Everything is light. Everything is not a big deal. Yes, it's a big deal. God is a big deal. We need to honor Him. We need to respect Him. Amen. We need to teach the honor of God to our children. I'm gonna go that next Sunday. Don't run away. Gonna get harder and harder. We need to teach our children the, the honor of God since they are young. How many people desire miracle and the manifestation of the Spirit of God in the church in your life? What do you need to do? You honor Him. One of the hindrances of the presence of God and the move of God is lack of reverence. The key to the move of God is the reverence. Amen. One thing that sometimes bothers my heart when I start to lay hand on people, and God's moving, people sit and what a big deal! Or people fall. No, you need to. God, your pres- your presence is here. You should be on your knee. You should worship the Lord. You says God is here. I worship you instead of. Sit, stand up talking and do things and don't care how God feels. God show up. The king of all kings show up in the meeting, touch people, and people just sort of walk around. And, and, and <laughs> In the back of the room, oh, I should be stronger. Sometimes I should yell from here and say, Hey, stop talking. God is here. Maybe I should change my personality to be a little bit harder. God's people in the churches are suffering because of the lack of reverence. That's why people get sick. People get into trouble. They don't reverence God. Because they don't reverence God, they don't honor God. They don't have faith. And they don't see the miracle. They don't see the victory. I'm going to end this sermon by saying this, and then I think I stop and continue next Sunday. 
having reverence for God or honoring God, it doesn't mean to be depressed. It doesn't mean to have a depressed service. Everyone like. It's so quiet to the point that you can hear the bat, like a Dakura movie. So quiet in the church. Reverence and submission and honor is the heart attitude. Amen. You can be loud. You can say Hallelujah, praise the Lord, but with the reverence in your heart. And another thing that really quenched the presence of God is the flesh. Sometimes we act beyond what the Holy Spirit tried to do in the church. So what you do, you prophesy from the flesh. You lay hand out of the flesh. You do things out of the flesh. That's also lack of reverence. If you honor God, you will not do anything out of the flesh. You will hold back and say, if God doesn't do anything, you don't do anything. You do whatever the Lord say. You honor the Lord. I believe that if this attitude, the honor of God, is practiced in your home, in your workplace, in the church. You will be ruling and reigning, and the devil have to listen to you. Submit to God by submitting to authority, by honoring God, His word, and the people that God picked and choose to have authority over you. Next Sunday. We're gonna go into detail how to submit to human being. Today we just give a background. You want to rule and reign? You need to be humble, honoring God, submit to God. How do you submit to God? By submitting to people who have authority over you. Because the way you treat God is the same way you treat people around you. Next Sunday we're gonna go into detail about parents, about. Church leaders, about people around you. All the teenager in this room don't miss next Sunday. If you listen and you repent, you will not talk back to your parents anymore. Let me ask this question: How many people in this room want your life to go well? How many people want to live a long life? The Bible say. Honor your father and mother, which is a commandment, with the promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Amen. You want to go well? How many people want to rule and reign? Go well, go well, go well. Financially, health, everything, go well. How many people want to live a long life? Two days ago, I talked to one of my patients. The uh, mother-in-law has Alzheimer, and this lady have to take care of her mother-in-law full time now, on her own estate money. The government will not pay, and she couldn't take care of herself. Uh, have 24 hours care. But she said that. But my my dad, he was 90 something years old, went to have. Birthday dinner with my, our family, still laughing and have fun, and at the dinner table suddenly died. Why laughing? And I say I want to choose that one. And I go to birthday party and still laughing and die on the table. 
live a long life without Alzheimer and cancer and all this stuff. How do you do that? Honor your parents, and you will not live short life and die sufferingly. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. So next Sunday, don't miss it. This is half of the sermon. Everyone say ruling and reigning. Being humble. The grace of God will be abundant in my life. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from me. I will rule and reign in this life. Thank you, Father, for the word. I honor your word. I honor you, Lord. I want to be like that centurion. A person of great faith. Thank you, Lord. Great faith by honoring your word, your Holy Spirit. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for teaching the church the truth. Even though, Father, we may feel uncomfortable. To hear the truth, but the truth set us free, Lord, so that we will not make mistakes, say wrong things, do wrong things that will cause damage and suffering to our own life. Lord, we want to practice what we learn. We want to be victorious church. That you come back to celebrate with us, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this teaching you have given to the church. Thank you, Father, for your love and your mercy, your grace and the gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we can rule and reign in this life. We don't have to yield to the stealer, to the robber named Satan, to the killer, destroyer, but we can rule and reign. With Christ Jesus in this life, Lord. Oh, Father, I pray that salvation will come into every home in this church. That unbelieving spouse will encounter God and be saved. That children will be born again. I pray, Father, that all the children in this house will not backslide. When they start to go to high school and college, and received the wrong teaching from evolution, and all the comments in the website against the Bible and against God, Father, bring the protection upon our children in this house, that everyone will love you and serve you and fear you and honor you all the days of their life, Father. Help us as parents to train our children well. To honor the Lord, thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. And all the people say, "Amen." Thank you, Lord. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at two zero six two seven five one zero four two. You may also visit our website online at www. 
newhopeinternationalchurch.com. To them all gathered in your name, I lift to you this new praise song. All the wrongs I have ever done have been washed away by your only son. Bring me your tired, you said. Please, Lord, hear my song.